almost every successful person begins with two beliefs. The future can be better than the present, and I have the power to make it so. Welcome to Be Kindred's Words with Friends, a series of couch conversations with inspiring female entrepreneurial types pursuing their business dream. Each podcast, we explore a new theme that elevates and empowers fierce women just like you chasing their passion in business. We exist to help you overcome the overwhelm of going it alone. And we do this through connection, collaboration, and helping you to take action. My name is Penny Lacasso, founder of Be Kindred. Let's get to it. So today we're talking about career leaps, which is an absolute passion of mine with a really good friend, Rachel Service from the Happiness Concierge. So Rachel helps people ace work and life. And in her workshops, um, which she runs across Australia, Rachel gives people the tools to land on a life that they love, whether that's in work, relationships, or at one of my favourite places, the gym. Welcome to the Be Kindred Couch, Rach. And thanks for having me. Or should I say the Be Kindred Floor? Uh, because we're locked in a bedroom today in the hope that a five-year-old won't come and interrupt us. <laughs> I like it. I'm into it. <laughs> Okay, so we, before we get down to the business end of town, um, I thought we'd ask a couple of fun questions just to get a bit of a feel <laughs> for who you are and and um, and what you enjoy. So my first question is: late to bed or early to rise? Early to rise. I can stay up later than ten pm. Really? Yeah. Well, I tried. But last night I stayed up till two in the morning watching an Orange Is the New Black uh, marathon, <laughs> and I am a wreck today. So apologies in advance for those who are listening. <laughs> Coffee, how do you take it? Oh, really strong, really strong. <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't have so much coffee, but coffee all the way, yeah. And is it black? No, no, no it's it's a really embarrassing. Um, oh, you have a specialty. Yeah, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy at the cafe. <laughs> I'm that jerk. <laughs> I gave up for coffee this week. I thought I'd detox for two weeks. Oh, my God. And um, enjoyed headaches for three days. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I miss coffee. <laughs> okay, so what's always on your desk? Oh, uh, to be honest, uh, I like to mix it up where I'm working. So my laptops are always on my desk. I'm always listening to tunes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of having fresh flowers, but I can barely commit to um, to uh, being, working one place every day. So every day is different, yeah. One vice you will never get out. Ooh, talking too much in coffee. I'm down to <laughs> one to two coffees a day, and that's better than what I used to be, which is three to four. And talking too much is a vibe. Uh, other people say I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast. What are you listening to at the moment? Or do you listen? Yeah, totally. So I love Dan Savage's Savage Love Podcast. It's a podcast um, run by a guy out of Seattle and he talks about sex advice. So sex, love, relationships. So mm-hmm. if you're going on the tram on the way to work and you want to hear some salacious stories <laughs> and, you know, feel really normal. <laughs> really entertaining it's like turbo advice and a friend of mine uh put me on to two dope queens they're two ladies two comedians um who are based in new york and man they are fly as folk they're so funny and they just put a smile on my dad okay i haven't heard of either of those so i'll be uh, adding those to my list check it out all right, so that gives us a bit of a feel for, for you in a nutshell. So let's talk about why we actually came here, which is something I think we're both passionate about, which is people making change, significant change in their life so that they're more happy and, and more fulfilled. 
And I suppose one of my biggest passions and the reason I do this podcast is because I want to have real conversations so that people actually understand what's involved when they make a change like this and, and you know, how fulfilling and rewarding it is, but know how much hard work is involved in making that change. So let's kick off with what you call yourself. Would you call yourself a career leaper, tweaker or a swinger? <laughs> <laughs> and tell uh, me why. <laughs> um, in the, um, both in my 20s, I was totes a swinger. Like uh, I spent um, 10 years figuring out, you know, what I was doing, anything from public relations to advertising to copywriting to social media. I was trying it all, you know. But um, in my 30s, I'm definitely a tweaker. So um, I've learned a lot from the tw- my 20s, burning myself a lot. But um, I think in my 30s, um, I'm really focusing on tweaking my life around my personality, what I'm good at and mm. what I enjoy and what gives me the most mojo, you know, what makes me feel good. So much of it, though, comes down to understanding yourself, doesn't it? Amen. Yeah. You know, like there's only so much therapy you can have until you realise that <laughs> you're going to make changes. But I think for me, once I realised what made me happy, the people that made me happy yeah. um, and the environments that brought out the best in me um, and the people and work that encouraged me to uh, stretch my imagination and stretch my intelligence, um, that's when that's when stuff really exploded and got really good for me. Yeah. Cool. So can you share with us what you were doing before you started to make your tweaks? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a public relations specialist by trade. That's where all the talking comes in. Um, And I spent my 20s working for other people. So um, I worked in-house and with agencies. I worked in Melbourne and in London where I was broke all the time. But it was, you know, who was in London? Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) And from my native New Zealand, I worked in New Zealand as well. Um, And then the tweak came about when um, I'd had a succession of burnouts uh, and then I realised that something had to give and I started working slowly on things for myself. So I started carving out a tiny little bit amount of my time to work on myself, whether that was writing, hitting the gym or just even starting a blog. Um, And that's when the tweaking really started to, uh, that's when things really started to turn in my favour and I started landing on a life that actually was serving me instead of others. So I think um, there's two things I want to touch on that, that you've just mentioned or one thing that I know that you haven't mentioned. So um, the first thing is there's this misconception that people make a massive leap and just drop what they're doing and run away and go and start something new. But the reality with so many people that I know is that most people continue to work a day job whilst they're growing a business or making that transition into something new and educating themselves and building the plan and implementing the plan around that, Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you manage the balance between the two as you build your business? Yeah. And why and why you do that, yeah? Yeah. Well, I think one of the greatest learnings, don't we have, love a good learning, um, is that I would often throw my th- myself 100% into new projects, new ideas, new blogs, new ventures, and then like a year down the track, I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted and kind of not into this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do something different, you know, like I don't want to organize those events anymore. I don't want to do that campaign anymore or um, I'm not into this blog anymore, right? So as a second part to that, I'm also not a saver with money. I yeah. am either cashed up or broke. Like, <laughs> that's something I'm working on, by the you way. You're 90% of the population. Yeah, right. So um, I learned pretty quick. I've been really 
high positions where I had a lot of cash and great um, projects and whatnot, but I'd also been in really low, really low positions, like no money, no friends. What am I doing in Hackney? I'm totally broke um, and I'm exhausted, you know, like I'm exhausted. So I think to answer your question, when I started thinking about the happiness concierge and the very formative stages, um, that's when I realized if I was going to try tweaking and doing something my own, I'm going to start little. I'm going to start with little steps. Yeah. For me, that was a blog on Medium to which me and my mum read because I sent it to her. Oh, that's cute. You know? <laughs> but it's a start, yeah? It's a start, right? Yeah. And then another big change happened when I started moving from saying yes, 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 yes to any job or freelance opportunity that came my way and started having constructive conversations with my employer who I work with three days a week now and said, hey, I've got this other little project on the table that I'd love to see grow over time, long term. Mm. Would you be open to maybe working uh, together on a three to four days a week basis so I can, I can scratch that itch, if you will, while still giving you my full attention? And to their credit, they were like, sounds good, yeah. So, yeah. And so that then raises another interesting question, um, which I hadn't considered prior, which is I'm reading a book at the moment that talks about women being afraid to ask. Uh, Right? And so what you just said speaks exactly to that. So there's so many women that don't even, you know, that there there are options in terms of, you know, pursuing something that you're passionate about and still having an income and balancing the career that you already have. But so many women don't ask. You know, I mean, the worst some, someone can say is no, and then you reevaluate and look at a different option. But so many women are too afraid to even ask an employer, um, you know, whether they can adjust working arrangements or work differently. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, women are socialised not to ask. We're socialised to be people pleasers. Mm. Men are socialised to ask. So as an example, a client of mine is a recruiter, and she said, that 90% of men who are given the first offer always say, I'm going to need to add 20 grand to that. Exactly what the book says. Right. So they start already before they even begin on a higher base, yeah? Always socialise. Socialise to and encourage to. So that's in their DNA, if you will. Mm. But her female clients, less than 30% will say, uh, less than 30% will counter and the majority will say, do you think that's okay? Is it okay to say yes? Should I, should I just be grateful for this opportunity? And that's not, you don't need to go around being a diva saying double or nothing. You don't need to be that. But you can be honest and say, to be honest, I, I had a different number in mind. Can we meet in the middle? As you mm. say, P, like, what's the worst I going to say? No. Haven't got any budget for sure. But I think a lot of people struggle and particularly women because of how we socialized and, um, perceptions of ourself and perceptions towards us be grateful for your opportunity oh that's a bit out there if you're asking for more oh you're a bit bossy wanting that but I think if there's any tip I can give if you're able to say it appears to me that the value to the business is skill x which I have yeah and I have 10 years of experience to bring to this role it appears to me that the market rate is y I would love to commit to you. Would you consider a package or a salary or four days a week in my case? Yeah. So then I can give you my highest value, all my focused attention and the best result for your business. Mm, That's so true. There ain't no shame in that. There ain't no shame in asking. It's about how you communicate it though. And I don't know that a lot of women are given the tools. No, I think, well, also that women feel a bit, 
um, inauthentic when they're asking for money or, yeah. Interesting. So um, you spoke a little bit about the catalyst for um, making your tweak and you spoke a bit about burnout. So talk to us um, about what that looked like. Yeah, so uh, in my 20s, I was turbocharged by wanting to do a really good job. Don't ask me where this came from. Just every part of my world was to do really good at work, right? So uh, what I started to do is work for really crazy long hours. Um, I started to skip meals. I was living on cigarettes, four copies a day. That is not an exaggeration. Yeah, I mean, you see what's going to happen here, yeah, right? <laughs> so I burnt myself out three times in my 20s. The first was when I was 22, and I am... Um, I uh, passed out in the shower <laughs> and I was wow. like, whoa. And I was like, that felt weird. I'll just head off to work. <laughs> and then I went to work and they were like, whoa, you got to go home. And then also started to develop in my mouth and I couldn't eat for six weeks. Wow. And I had to like just take sick leave, right? Anyway, 22-year-old me is like, YOLO, whatever, back to work. <laughs> Didn't learn from that experience. Um, and then at 25, um, I was doing the same habits again working a lot I was also you know like in a rock band as well so I was working and then staying up to all hours of the night mm. and as previously discussed I'm not a late night person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah right so not eating a lot um and I started to see someone who had quite uh what I recognize now as an eating disorder mm. but back then I didn't really know what that meant um so I started in the gym sometimes twice a day I was skipping meals it was all everything and nothing and then one day on a Sunday I um I went to get off the couch, you know, to go to work, as you do on a Sunday, and I couldn't even stand up. Like I wow. had to call my parents and be like, I feel a bit whack. Can I say yours for the weekend? That weekend turned into like months. I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression and what I now know as adrenal fatigue. So if you think of a situation where you might be getting attacked by a shark or <laughs> you might be having to save someone in a fire, that's when adrenaline kicks in, right? Yeah. But with anxiety and depression and adrenal fatigue, my adrenal hormones had completely been obliterated. Obliterated? Obliterated. Obliterated. Being smashed. <laughs> so <laughs> I legit had no, no mojo. I had nothing. And I was just in bed crying oh at my, my parents' God. house uh, for like three months. I had to take sick leave. It was so like embarrassing and depressing and. Well, I had a lot of time on my hands to think, put it that way, you know. Like, it, it sucked. It totally sucked. Um, and then uh, it turns out, you know, I started to make small steps to get better. Um, and then, you know, at 27, here I was again. I got a promotion. I moved to Melbourne. And I was actually sleeping at work in a bid to kind of deal with that fear about not doing a good job. I had this job. It was so big. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just saying yes and just blindly going, not a problem. Fake that is fine. Let's yeah. make it to you make it. That's what I've read. <laughs> Oh, and then when I was made redundant, I was relieved. Like I was relieved. I couldn't believe how relieved I was, right? But in terms of the catalyst, if you will, um, you know, I was in my 30s and I'd gone through a series of breakups and lost my job. And I kind of spent my 20s in this blur of depression and all or nothing kind of uh, woe is me. And they're all completely avoidable situations. But anyway, I'd just broken up with someone. I bought a, you know, a ticket to New York. I grabbed my savings and I just hemorrhaged it in New York and went to saw my version of God, which is Beyonce in concert. 
And I was like, if anyone can make me feel good, is this the queen herself? This is going to change my life. So I got there, right? And I've got my little outfit on. I bought the merchandise. And <laughs> I go up the stairs and I'm like, <laughs> like I start crying, right? Because it's so emotional. Because it's like a moment. Because a moment, yeah. right? But I'm exhausted from 10 years of just not listening to myself, right? This is all in hindsight, of course. I'm going up the stairs, I'm crying. I go to the bathroom to clean up my makeup and I'm crying. The opening act turns up and they're terrible and I'm crying through the opening act. Beyonce slays for two hours and I'm not crying, I'm howling like, (gasps) like that deep cry, like the feeling police has just come to slay my ass. Oh, my God. So embarrassing. Like people are looking at me like, bitch, can you not? (laughs) Can you not right now? Wow. <laughs> so that happened and then I got back on the, uh, it's not the tube in New York, what is it? Like, subway. Uh, yeah, I got on the subway yeah. and all these people were like, oh, the single ladies, oh, the single ladies. And there was like this skinny white girl with her Beyonce t-shirt with makeup ruined going, I just spent two hours the best of my life crying. No, 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 never again. Wow. And so that kind of lioness came over me and I was like, never again like I got angry I got angry I was fed up so I think from that very you know haha you're crying at Beyonce story the takeaway for me was you know what like in all those situations when I was 22 25 27 here I'm at my 30s hmm who was the common denominator on all those scenarios me oh Oh. there's so much to be said for self-awareness and accountability is the other thing, you know, that lose not having that victim mentality. And like you say, so often people complain and complain and complain and then it's like you look at stuff and you go, well, what is the common denominator? And if you look at, you know, I always say um, don't focus on what you can't control. Focus on what you can. And what you can is your own behaviour, yeah, and how you respond to situations. Fascinating. Wow. So that's a moment. That's definitely a moment. Everybody has moments, but I think if you're going to fight in New York to see Beyonce, don't cry. Yeah, don't cry. And like, it sounded like you needed to cry to get to where you needed girlfriend, to Girlfriend, I needed that. I needed that. But that was a catalyst for a whole bunch of stuff, which I can go into at any detail. <laughs> <laughs> so, was there any particular person other than Beyonce, Beyonce <laughs> that inspired you to take, um, I suppose, the risk and, and, you know, make a big change? Do you know what? Like after that cathartic cryathon and the anger that came over me, I realized that nothing and nobody could make me fearful for anything in my mm. life. Like fear had controlled almost every part of my life until that moment where I started to develop like self-love, you know, like not hating the way I looked, not being obsessed with getting a next promotion or what like the queen of PR really like yeah like so in terms of anyone inspiring me I think something started to happen within me when I realized like I can inspire myself like I can have support and queens in my life and amazing family but and amazing work colleagues and amazing friends yeah but I couldn't even hear them I couldn't see them I couldn't I couldn't be myself because I wasn't, I was so afraid of not being something. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, that's cool. So tell us a little bit then about where the idea for the happiness concierge came from because it feels like we're building to that. (laughs) 
the closet. Well, it feels like it's almost like walking up a staircase, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I like that. I really yeah. use it. So uh, I had said to my friend Lara, uh, I've got all these ideas. I've got these kind of tactics I've been using from all my, like, years of therapy, yeah. right? And, you know, there's, like, um, there's like uh, t- tips you can use to figure out how to say no to people, right? And there's, like, a, uh, like a graph you can use to map out what you want out of life, right? And she was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Put it in a blog and put it on Medium. So I started doing that, right? And then I was like, okay, well, that's some self-help stuff. And then people in my network who I didn't even think would look at it were like, hey, I saw your thing on um, how to get what you want. That's cool. And I was like, whoa, mind blown. Awesome. It wasn't just you and mum anymore. It's not just my mum. <laughs> that's a big deal. Let me tell you that. That's a big deal when someone outside then your mum reads your stuff. So then um, I was reading online and I love reading the New York Times because mm. it's just like, whoa, so much cool things happening there. And I read this idea called the fitness concierge. And these people come to your house if you're cashed up and have cash to blow and they turn up with a coffee and your Lululemon headband and a pass to your soul cycle class and they do not let you leave unless you go to that fitness class, right? So I was like, love the accountability.com, loving it. Just love that, that so accountability exciting. thing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have a problem motivating yourself, Penny. I know you're at CrossFit this morning. I was. <laughs> 150 waffles. Why? Why? And here we are, sitting on the floor. I, I won't be able to get up after this. <laughs> Going to roll down the stairs. So it's like the accountability piece is cool. And like when I've been doing PRs, part of the thing that I loved about it was keeping people accountable, you know. And then when I was doing these blogs, I was like, what am I selling here? Like what's this idea that's happening? It started turning into from an idea to I think I'm selling a concept here and, you know, You've said to me in the past, like, Rach, you're selling confidence, girlfriend. You're giving people their mojo mm. so they can blah. And I suppose I was like, oh, I guess I am a concierge and that I keep people accountable. Um, but essentially I'm selling happiness, not like you have to get on the incense and do yoga for happiness if that's not your jam. And if it is, that's really fine. But what does happiness mean for you? Like is that having a part-time job and being able to train as a yoga teacher or is that having – um, is that having four beautiful human children in your life, but you're also able to start your own thing and make yourself aut- autonomous, separate to motherhood? Mm. Or, you know, is that like um, being having a job that doesn't fulfill you totally, but you know what, you're slaying at work and you're getting promoted every every um, every six months and you're having bitch and brunches on Sundays. That is a good life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So happiness. So succinctly that came about in a lot of really weird ways, but um, I started saying it out loud. I bought a domain on Squarespace that cost a hundred bucks, and all of a sudden it was real, right? Yeah. And I was like, ah. okay. So the thing is, nobody knows if you set up a URL. Nobody's watching, I know, but right? It feels, like, it feels like they do, doesn't it? It feels like they do. It's it's so true. It's I read something the other day um, with tech startups, and they were saying, you know, all these startups spend months and months and months building these, you know, apps and all the rest of it. And then they get to launch date, right? And for some reason, they think at launch date, the world's going to change and the app's going to go off and it's all going to go crazy. And launch day comes and goes. And then there's this, this moment where the, you know, the, the graph of, um, of self-motivation plummets through the floor because it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, now I need to promote the bloody thing. I thought that was D-Day, you know? So it, it's interesting. <laughs> so it was live, you know, readership one, Rachel service. But no one's watching you, you know. No one's watching you. Yeah. But, but it feels like because you... You're in your own bubble and you totally. think you think everyone's noticing all this work that you're doing. And let me tell you, nobody noticed nothing. No. And I think that's 
the other misconception in this space, whether you, you know, whether you're repositioning yourself for a totally different career working for someone else or working for yourself. There is so much to be invested in building a personal brand and, and an authentic personal brand, you know, and that's not something you can switch on overnight. There are tactics that you can put in place to reposition yourself, but then how you continue to reinforce that and build people's awareness of that outside of the sphere of the networks that you have takes ages. Takes so long. Yeah. And even to clarify what your message is, do you know what I mean? Oh, my God, I've changed my message. I, totally honestly, you know, I have pivoted my message that many, not that many times, but probably three times significantly in the last 10 months. Yeah, Because right. the clarity, as you move through this journey, I get greater and greater clarity the more I work with clients and the more I do events and the more I hear people speak to me about their challenges, I become clearer on what it is that they need and therefore clearer on my purpose and what it is that I can give them to help them solve those problems. Totally. Yeah. And as an exception to that, you're not the same person you were 10 months ago. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like no. how many people are you dealing with a week? You're just turbo taking in their insights. And as you share your insights, your message becomes refined. It's not about necessarily even getting better or that you were unclear and then suddenly you had this epiphany. No. It's just like what you know, your knowledge expands, as my mum, who's a it's doctor, like would cooking, say. Yeah? You just get better. Like it's like you, you, get, you get better and better at it the more you do it. And they, yeah. Totally. And yeah. like I say, anything will just be start. Start, start small, start something, Absolutely. start now. So true. So, um, well, that's interesting because the next question I have is where did you start once you decided to start to make this tweet? So you mentioned earlier that the first thing you did was you had a conversation, which I think is really important, yeah, with your current employer and said, is it possible to create the space for this to happen? And so so that's where you started. Where did you go from there? Well, once I'd said that and Dad said yes, yeah. I was like, mm, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> yeah, like, it kept me accountable. Um, on a micro level, before having that conversation, I said to a girlfriend, uh, "Where? what is a blogging platform? Where would I put these ideas that I've got? And she said, put it on Medium. So for those who are new to blogging, that would be medium.com. It syncs mm-hmm. with uh, Twitter and that you can share your insights and that people can share your insights on Twitter. And it's super easy to use. Um, and that was a platform that worked really well for me as I, as you said, Penny, you know, clarified what I was saying. Yeah. Um, and then the next step for me was going, okay, so I've got four blogs here. People seem to be remotely interested in it. I suppose I'll set up a website. So I went to squarespace.com um, and set up a free website template. It was free to just muck around and see what that was like. Um, and then I thought, well, this is cool. I spent, you know, all night till two in the morning playing on that. That sounds cool. So then I got, you know, domain hosting through crazydomains.com.au um because that was the first that came up on the google search i'm sure there are other better ones um and then i started putting content on it and i was like what am i selling here i don't know so i started putting a column for how to's and then as i started thinking about more ideas i'd keep adding to that and then i was like you know what there are so many fierce females in my network i would love to promote what they're doing as they're inspiring how they live Mm. fierce female happiness concierge like lives so i started putting them on my website and then I reached out to um, a Facebook group called um, Serious Business for Northsiders. Serious Business for Northsiders. Um, and I was like, hey, does anyone know a decent photographer? Because for me, having something visually beautiful is makes me happy, right? 
So then I met this lady called Brianna Dunbar. She lives in Brunswick. She um, exclusively photographs lady-led projects. So I was like, can you help me photograph these amazing women? So then I started having this awesome content and these awesome images. And I was like, I guess I'll set up a Facebook page. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and I soon learned that the audience that were responding to my things, my posts, my content, were on Instagram and Facebook and less so on Twitter. So just small, tiny steps, right? And oh. then I started reaching out to people saying, you know, even sharing it on my own network going, hey, guys, I'm doing this thing called the Happiness Concierge. Check it out, you know. And a few people got involved. And then um, the guy who runs Freelance Australia was like, hey, do you want to talk about, you know, how your story about burnout? I was like, yes. And then he said, cool, we're doing it General Assembly. And I said, great. And then I met people from General Assembly mm. and, you know, I'm working with them now. And then uh, they introduced me to you and you're like, do you want to be a panelist on this totally amazing event that I'm hosting about people who are tweaking, leaping or swinging? And I was like, I don't know what that means, but yes. And so I go to that and I meet amazing people. And then, you know, um, that morning I wake up and got five emails in my inbox saying, hey, Rachel, we met at this event. I loved your vibe. Can we keep chatting? about future opportunities. And I'm like, what? This is so great. And then I got an email from Brisbane. Loving what you're doing, girlfriend. Can we fly you up to give a talk about managing boundaries at work? I was like, what? Okay, so then I share that on my Instagram. Somebody else gets in touch. I hear you're coming to Brisbane. We've got this new site. Can you come and talk to us of what you could do? What? You know, and then someone else reaches out. Hey, our workplace has got a wellness week. Can you do some workshops around that? How much does that cost? So, I think it's so interesting when you put yourself out there what you attract yeah and that's that's what I keep finding that um and what you say you know how you started on Instagram Twitter and Facebook and this is the other misconception I think is people think they have to be on all platforms you don't have to be on all the social medias no you don't and I think again there's this insight that comes with time it's because I started and I was like I was on everything and then what's become really clear for me is it's great to have a Facebook group once you've built a community yeah, because then you can obviously get your message to your community rather than it be missed on a page where only a certain amount of people see it because of the way Facebook is now set up. But for me, what's been really powerful has been LinkedIn. And I didn't even consider that at the beginning because so many of obviously the, well, one, I had extensive corporate or professional networks from my background, which which I wasn't leveraging. And so there was, you know, and it, was, it wasn't until I, my mastermind group of, young entrepreneurs that I got together to, you know, strategically plan with quarterly. It wasn't until we got together and we were brainstorming about ideas for my business and they turned around and said, why aren't you writing? Why aren't you positioning yourself as an expert? Get on LinkedIn and start publishing stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got this whole network I've not leveraged. And the impact of that, like you were saying about when you started blogging and you were like, oh, my God, people are actually reading this stuff and it makes sense and and resonates and constantly like every week I get some person that's from the last 20 years of my career either emailing me or ringing me saying can I either have a coffee or just to let you know I'm watching what you're doing and I think it's amazing and it's 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 like oh maybe I might keep doing this then exactly yeah Yeah, like uh I think there's a lot of messages out there for people looking to do their own thing find your people find your tribe and by all means like find people who get your jam and don't get that glazed look when you tell them about what you do they vibe off you but yeah it's about who you know but who knows you but also no like you say the people that have the glazed look and this is another thing that I find really interesting is often the ones that will judge you the most are the ones that are the most fearful of what you're doing yeah and so the ones that looked at me when I was thought I was crazy when I walked out of the corporate world 
and probably passed the biggest judgment and gave me, they, they might not have even said anything, but they gave me that look of, oh, my God, she's fun, she's lost the plot, yeah. And now they're the ones that ring me up and they're like, oh, my God, you know, I love what you're doing. Can you tell me how I can do something? <laughs> it's really like, I think, to get real about it, like it's really lonely doing your own thing. Oh, my God, is it what? It is. That's the only... hardest thing, I think, when you come from the spaces you and I come from. Yeah, like only you know what you want to do, even if it's not totally clear. Yeah. And your friends are like, that's great. What? You know, and you're like, I don't really know what it is, but I'm figuring it out. Just, you know, support me in the meantime, right? Yeah. But then people are like, ooh, okay. So I call it concern trolling, right? <laughs> is it like, <laughs> how do you even know, like, what are you going to run about? Concern trolling is the act of judging someone else pa- ag- passively, aggressively, under the pretense of concern. Oh, my God. I You've love, all got concern I, trollers I in your life. Concern trolling. I think that is brilliant check it out on happiness concierge slash concern hyper um okay so (laughs) tell me biggest risk associated with your tweak i think you know the biggest risk is that i could i could isolate myself like i had done in my 20s and find myself with this beautiful idea or a concept and here I am alone without a community or mm-hmm. great group of friends or family or colleagues to share that experience with. Yeah. So um, I'm protecting myself from a financial point of view. I've got a part-time gig coming in. I'm using my words. I'm talking about my feelings when I'm feeling a bit depressed or anxious or fearful. Yeah. Um, I'm reaching out to people when I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm protecting myself in that way. I'm getting enough sleep, exercise, food, blah, blah, blah. But I think the biggest risk that I have is, as I have in the past, been so excited about something new that I just go, hundred miles an hour, and then you kind of, I'm like, this is great. I'm such an alpha. I'm ruling life. This is amazing. Oh, there's actually no one else here with me. Yeah. So that's a risk for me. But I, I am, making a real concerted effort to just press the chill button and let people into my life and enjoy it. Because otherwise, what's the point? Oh, absolutely. And I must say, like, since I started this journey, the amount of amazing people that I've met in the last 18 months, it's unbelievable. You know, like we've spoken about Amy um, from The Holistic Ingredient and, like, a friend that I only Love made her. in December last year and it's now a friend that I speak to every day and, and yourself, you know, the, the moment we met, which was probably, what, uh, six weeks ago? Yeah, totally. And then how many conversations have we had since <laughs> So it's just, yeah, amazing the people, like you say, that if you allow it and you put yourself out there that into your life that are, like you say, like-minded. And I always find the concept of like-mindedness interesting because you don't want like-mindedness to mean it's not people who agree with you. No, 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 no. no, no. Like-minded means that they kind of operate in the same space in terms of they're open to things, you know, they they challenge things and they challenge you in a really constructive and supportive way. Yeah, It's not about saying they're like-minded in the, in the concept of they just agree with everything yeah. and they're thinking the same as you because I actually, if, that, if that's the case, I actually want non-like-minded people because I love the fact <laughs> That the people I surround myself with constantly challenge what I'm doing. Totally. And like make we, me think differently. Totally. We bond over our shared hatred of war balls, right? Oh Across <laughs> All right. So your next question is, <laughs> what's the biggest mistake you've made thus far? Oh. And, and not in your past career, which is <laughs> a happiness concierge. Yeah? I'll be honest if you're honest. <laughs> yeah, good one. And good this one. is about being real, yeah? So... And we, I mean, you and I love to swear, yeah, so let's be like, fuck-ups are a good thing. 
because we learn from them, yeah? Yeah. And that's why I think yeah. that there's this misconception, again, that failure is a, is a really bad thing and our culture is not supportive of failure, whereas yeah. failure I actually think is a very positive thing. Yeah, you're yeah, taking yeah. risks and you're putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. And then that gives you the biggest opportunity to learn. Totally. I think, like, the biggest mistake I've made in the past is setting up is um, – is putting every emphasis of success or the notion of success on how work is going. So work was so important to me that I ended up kind of ostracizing myself from my family because I didn't really get it right. No. From my friends who were like, well, she's a bit full on about her career. It's PR, not ER, girlfriend. <laughs> and, you know, with relationships, to be quite honest, that on the triangle of needs, I was like, yeah, look, it's good to have someone around, but I never really gave them my full dedicated attention because my attention was elsewhere, mm. which was with the mawaka, baby. That's not fair, man. Like, that's not a good relationship, whether it's romantic or otherwise. So the biggest mistake, I think, is putting all eggs in one basket, thinking that that's going to fulfill me. I think now I'm learning that um, I need to balance it all, like it's cliche, but... Yeah, happiness concierge, like, rocks my world. Like, it gets me so excited. But it would be nothing if I don't have friends and family and mm. people in my life to share it with. And, if you know, like a labradoodle, like, he needs some love too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that would be my biggest mi- mistake in the past that I'm really cognizant of now. And, yeah, like, mistakes every day. Every day I'm just totally guessing, like everybody else. Mm. So I was going to ask you about how you funded your leap, but I think we kind of spoke a little bit about that earlier, about the fact that you're still doing two things at once, yeah, which, as yeah. I've said earlier, I know so many people doing the same thing, um, but that's not spoken about. So I think that that's, you know, it's great to hear from someone like yourself because I think for some reason people are embarrassed um, talking about their day job when they're trying to start a business. Oh, like it's not professional, yeah. yeah it's like, oh, I'm not good enough to have a made it yet because I'm still holding it. And totally. I think that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's actually quite smart because what they're doing is in, ensuring that they can sustain a certain lifestyle um, and also fund the change. Yeah. I like going out to brunch on the weekend. Yeah, I don't like- want to get that up. And did you know that Zara had a sale on Friday? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've touched on a lot of stuff that's unspoken, which always makes me happy. But can you tell us a little bit about what's come up for you since you started the happiness concierge that no one warned you about? Yeah. And how have you, know, in terms of, you know, starting your own gig? Because, you know, there's so much content out there about how to start a business. There's so many incubator programs and, you know, you can pay $10,000 to go and do a program with um, someone that's going to help you set your business up end to end. But what they never talk about is, the, you know, the shit and, and how hard it is, yeah? So what's come up for you that no one warned you about and how have you navigated your way through it? Well, I think the first part is to, I suppose, uh, tell people that, one hour of doing will obliterate the shit out of 30 coffee meetings thinking about it with someone else. Mm, like So some, true. Like this is so micro, but like the blog I did on Medium and I pressed publish to my one follower. Thanks, mom. Like I was like, oh, man, if I do that, I could do this. I could do a blog. I could be an expert commentator on here. I could email that person. I could do a talk over there. Like it just turbo action my brain into actual things instead of talking about an idea, right? Mm. And that's cool. Like uh, so that was important. But I think – also, no one will care about your idea as much as you do. They no. will love you. They will support you. They'll pat you on the head. They'll give you a condescending little smile every now and then. That's cool. But no one will care about your idea or be clear on what you have in mind than you do. 
So I think it's okay to feel like at times, like I have, lonely, uh, isolated. Uh, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I don't know how many times I've woken up at night yeah. until I saw Amy. <laughs> Uh, well, Amy does the um, the mindset therapy. Oh, love Amy! So, um, I'm yeah, the same thing. like you say, I think that's an interesting point because so many people don't talk about the self doubt that creeps in when you start your own business, and and there's a point, and it does. I don't think it ever goes away where you start questioning yourself and saying, "Have I gone crazy? Like, is this really going to come off? Am I, or am I just deluded?" And so, in my own <laughs> thoughts, yeah, and so sort of um, focused on this goal. But I can't see, you know, reality. This is a massive mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But what Amy did, this Amy's therapy, um, is fascinating because what it does is it um, it clears limiting beliefs. And so for me, I, she sort of, when we met, started talking to me over lunch about what she did because I asked her. And I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I needed because it was the start of a new year and I kind of walked into my business like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot things. I need to change. I'm getting messages from people saying this is where you need to be. And so I was waking up realising how much work was involved in that and then wake up in the middle of the night going, am I freaking crazy? Yeah. But then I was like, okay, I need Amy. I'm going to go see her. And I went and saw Amy. I haven't had the thought since. It's amazing. Amy Crawford, look her up, theholisticingredient.com. She'll change your life. Uh, Apparently so. I can vouch (laughs) for it. Okay, so my – oh, I've got two more questions. So the, the second last question is how do you feel about the tweak you've made and tell us why? Oh, better than any chocolate brownie I could put into my mouth. Uh, like, it's one thing to, you know, they said, do what you love, follow your passions, blah, 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 blah. Like, every day I wake up and I'm just so fucking excited. Mm. I have no idea where this idea is going to go. And maybe it's just like a cute little hobby that Rachel has on the side for a long time. It's so thing cool that I'm cool with it. You know, I think. Nothing wrong with the lifestyle business. It doesn't have to be Google, yeah? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's the other thing. I think we're shamed. You know, women are shamed into, oh, your business is not big enough. You don't have global scale. I mean, because there's so much focus, focus on technology and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Totally. Like, you know, what success means to you might look different. For me, if I can afford brunch of the weekend, go to a killer sale where, you know, MAC lipstick that makes me happy and hang out with awesome people. That's enough. That's a lot worth living. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so my last question is what's next for you? Off to Brisbane on the 6th of July um, at, uh, I think it's called Lighthouse, uh, to talk about managing your boundaries at life and work, Um, doing a series of talks um, around managing upwards at work, Mm. how to say no to your manager, client, boss without losing your job, Um, and then working on a boot camp, uh, which is Ace Your Life in Six Weeks, which is at happinessconcierge.com.au slash bootcamp. Wow. Check it out. Okay, so I feel like I need wine now. I, need, I feel like we should have introduced wine into the conversation earlier. So thank you so much, my dear friend, for your time today. And um, I'm sure I'll see more of you in the near future, but we're going to check out from here on a Saturday afternoon because I hear kids coming up the stairs. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Cheers. To find out more about Big Kindred and how we are empowering and elevating female entrepreneurial types just like you, please visit us at bkindred.com.au or follow us on Instagram at b.kindred. I look forward to you joining us next time. Bye for now.